Hello, welcome to Raw Japan, episode 132. This is Brandon Shin broadcasting from Itoshima, Fukuoka. And I'm literally staring at my mic next to my computer. But today, again, I'm going to use my phone. I think it's become a habit. Can't shake the habit, but whatever. As long as I get the content out to you and bring you more of daily life in Japan so that you can adapt some principles in your life, wherever you are. And, you know, imagine yourself in Japan. Travel through the portal I provide you in your brains. Uh, today, we're going to talk about... I just watched this program on uh, Cool Japan. Yeah, I was doing some research for my uh, box subscription thing that I'm going to send out to people where you can travel to Japan without getting on a plane. And uh, they were talking about, you know, why Japanese young people don't do certain things. So today, I'm just going to say Japanese young people. So as I've mentioned in other podcasts, I'm, pre- I'm currently teaching English as an ALT in public schools, elementary and middle schools in Itoshima. And uh, I teach with other young people as well so uh, how do i say that there are older teachers and young people and hearing this program you know a lot of people a lot of foreigners were asking why japanese young people don't do certain things uh some of those included why they don't why don't japanese young men hit on women why don't japanese people young japanese people have ambition uh, why don't Japanese young people speak about politics and etc. And uh, the segment that I landed on, because it's like an hour long, I was just skimming through, was the Japanese flirting thing, which is quite interesting because I see it in the schools among the teachers. So you see the Japanese young teacher, like a few of them amongst a sea of old crusty beards and older people, no, they're not crusty, it's just old, it's just older people, and uh, uh, they, they're like, they're ostracized, and they're always the junior, because you know, this hierarchy in Japanese society, and they are lonely, because they're just, there's no one to relate to, so when I speak to them, they're often elated to finally connect, and not have to deal with the uh, jumping through hoops type communication that most Japanese people go through in the workplace because you don't want to offend anybody and you have to respect hierarchy and it's work. So you have to... There's boundaries that are uh, restrictive. Are There are boundaries that restrict communication in a not good way. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, when I speak to them, it's funny. Because you see, like, some of the young Japanese girls, you can just tell, are deprived. Deprived of uh, just communicating with dudes. Or in a way that makes them feel like a woman. That's not to say I'm flirting with them. But you can just tell that they are... uh, That they're hungry. (laughs) And... uh, um, 
the dudes too, you can see it in their eyes that they're hungry, but they just don't. Nobody knows how to feed themselves. And so it's quite interesting to see from a Western perspective because, you know, people go after what they want usually in the West. And that's not to say Japanese young men don't do it. In this program, you know, that was the stereotype. And they showed these two young girls, they had them part of this skit or, or like a situation where the two young girls would go into a bar and wait for Japanese men to hit on them. And it was like three hours. Nobody said anything to them. And then they, they were like, oh, look, yeah, look, Japanese men don't, don't, don't approach women. And then they moved the women out onto the street. This is in Tokyo. And it was in Ginza. And they moved them out onto the street, uh, like waiting against the uh, rail where the sidewalk is, you know, to protect you from not getting hit by a fucking car. And so they were just leaning up against that, waiting. And uh, uh, they got hit on like within an hour, like 20 times or something. And it was it was interesting conversation because they were talking about how this particular street in Ginza at that time of day, it was night, uh, on a on a particular day, uh, probably the weekend, and it was that day, that time, that place that was specifically chosen almost as a place to hit on people and get hit on. So it was established. It was like a rule. And that is what allowed Japanese people to loosen up and actually uh, approach people and not care about what other people around them are thinking or saying or doing. And it, it went on, the conversation went on to say that, you know, in Japanese society, the rules are, rules and procedure dominate everything. And so there's no acting out on your own consciousness because it's a group minded culture, collectivist society. And so sticking out is is not seen as um, uh, is not taken lightly. I mean, back in the day, if you did something that could jeopardize the group or whatever by by following your own individual desires, you were ostracized. You were kicked out of the group, and social exclusion led to death. But you know now it's just more. It's not. You're not gonna die, but still pretty much set and it goes with any any society right it's just more extreme in collectivist societies like in asia and um i see that too in the schools you can just see people like you just well first teachers are really overworked but speaking to them you can tell that they really don't go out and or when they do go out they just go out and get drunk and you sometimes with the people they work with and then it's still work. But uh, when they do go out, it's like, it's not restorative from what they're telling me, right? And they don't go out on, most don't go out on dates, etc. They're just constantly working. Some of them get off 9, 10 p.m. have to be in work 6, 7 a.m. the next day. They can't do shit. They just go home, sleep and eat. Or eat and sleep. <laughs> and uh, they have nothing to do. They have no time for themselves. So... Uh, but that's just one slice of young people that I'm seeing, right? In Fukuoka, where I live, or the, the city, um, there is a startup culture that is brewing that is kind of, you know, the country is looking at this Fukuoka city to lead the, lead the march towards innovation and creativity 
in uh in business and you know i've been to a lot of the places where they hold hold uh, uh seminars and they have free uh man the japanese word is coming up free consultation uh opportunities with lawyers and tax people and you can see you know young guys and young girls coming in to uh, speak about their ideas and and create apps and technology and stuff like that. And it's cool to see that. And there's a lot of young people in Fukuoka. I think there was a survey done a year or two ago that said Fukuoka City was the most, was the only city to be, um, or the top city to have the most population growth between 24 and 35, I want to say. And as that age group has the most young growth in Japan, and the most most of that is women actually. There's a larger percentage of women uh, than men in in that age group in Fukuoka. And uh, <clears throat> um, it's encouraging. I mean, you know, there are other surveys too that say. You know, a lot of Japanese young people, I think there was like some high percentage of people that are still virgins until they're like in, well into their 30s. And part of that has to do with tech, you know, coming in and replacing the need to connect face-to-face, person-to-person, intimately, etc. Uh, and uh, create relationships, settle down, all of that. So... There are a lot of different perspectives that people look at, you know, young people in Japan. I think you have to go beyond the surveys and the data and really start to talk to people. I mean, there's videos and stuff on YouTube as well, people getting interviewed. But the sense is that, you know, there's there's emphasis put on getting Japanese youth to become more intimate with each other and getting them together through programs like TV programs or or, or internet programs. There's stuff on YouTube where they show like dating shows. Uh, But I think... I mean, I think that's useful, the communication... To show that communication is important and um, in building relationships, intimate relationships, but it's, I don't know, there has, there's something else. I mean, something else. I, I guess you have to, to operate within. Or maybe that's what's already being done, right? Is that Japan is used to rules and procedures, so they have to provide the box for you to play in. But what if... Because that's Japan, right? But uh, unless people go abroad to see that, okay, there's different boxes to play in, or sometimes there's no box, and you have to create your own box to play in. Uh, 
only the people that go abroad can can really get a grasp on that. But if in Japan, maybe they started to introduce more randomness, that it would be more effective in changing or creating more intimacy in youth culture instead of having it to be so set up. But then you start to think about like the, the matching apps, they call them, like the dating apps, they call it matchingu appuri, matchingu ke, deaike. And um, it's, I mean, this is everywhere though, right? Tinder and all of that, it really makes, it reduces all the risk taking and approaching somebody and, and trying to create a relationship with someone because you're just, it's just on to the next one. And it can create, it can diminish the humanity in dating when you're just swiping. But, I mean, this phenomenon is not, you know, unique to Japan. It might be more extreme here because people in general are, like I said, aren't used to just approaching a stranger and saying, hey, I find you interesting, and just talk to them like that. There has to be like a, a street, a time, a place for you to approach them so that it's safe, you know, so that you... People understand that this is the pl this is what happens here. But if it's somewhere else, if it's in the middle of the day in a bookstore or something, then it's weird, and you're a weirdo. So maybe more randomness. I don't know. Maybe the Tokyo Olympics in 2020 will introduce that. You know, there's going to be a huge influx of people just coming through, and I don't know if people are ready. I mean, who, it's, it's going to be a lot of people. I don't know how much preparation you can do. But, um, yeah, that's just my, you know, rambling thoughts on young people in Japan. They, summer young people are, uh, it's changing, let's just say first, it's changing. Okay. Young people are, incorporating more Western ideals of not following the corporate ladder, uh, marrying, settling down, etc. It's been changing for years. Um, two, uh, maybe less young people are, are seeking intimate relationships. Uh, and three, um, young people... Hunger, still hunger for change, innovation, whether that's in, in, in business or society or just human relationships. Still, young people in Japan are hungry for it, but maybe they don't have the tools to pursue them, pursue that change. Or the confidence or the courage. I think it's courage usually. You know, I was listening to this podcast from um, Debbie Millman, which is, they say is like, I think she's like one of the oldest podcasters, or been doing podcasts for like the longest. It's a design podcast based in the US. And um, she was speaking to somebody. She speaks to so many people. But this was talking about 
the difference between confidence and courage. And they said courage is more important because that's what you need when you don't have anything, when you don't have any skills, etc. The courage is that ability to take the leap, the first step, without knowing what's going to happen once that step is completed. And then the confidence that comes with the experience, the years of putting in the effort and failing and revising, editing, coming out the other side. And so some people say, oh, I don't have enough confidence to do that. But it's not even, you don't get the confidence until you actually you take courage, ball it up in your fist and use it to go forward. And so you got to make that first step to do anything, right? And young people maybe, like I said, it's changing. First, it's changing. So young people are being courageous. And people in Fukuoka, I'm saying they're looking to start companies, although most, there's not so many people that are actually creating successful companies, which is the reality of it. But there are a lot of people that I go in there, that I go into, that I see when I go into, uh, for example, the startup hub there. Startup Cafe in Fukuoka Growth Next, which is a renovated elementary school that has now different startups inside. And they have that, like I said, Startup Cafe is like a co-working space, free internet, free consultations with lawyers, tax professionals, and government officials, and uh, or local government officials, municipal people. And, uh, you know, so it, the groundwork is being laid. And I'm encouraged. I'm glad I live in Fukuoka. Well, I'm glad I came here for a reason. That's what it is. And uh, yeah, when you come to Japan, talk to young people. If not, I can give you a dose of young people in my Raw Japan box. Japan box. I'm not sure what I'm going to call it yet, but I'm about to send some shit out. And if you're interested in that, you can just go to www.brandonshin.net forward slash raw check out the page there and as always share the podcast with one person one friend of yours say hey young people in japan check out this rambling ass episode bam share it do it up cool all right i am good you are good it is the 23rd. It is 7.23 p.m. See you on the next episode. Take care of yourself.